Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living in today's world. Here is your host, Dr. Laurel Trujillo. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show. Today, we're discussing how to cultivate grace, gratitude, and generosity, three essentials for a fulfilled life. I'm delighted to have Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien join me again today. Yogacharya O'Brien is an acclaimed teacher, award-winning author, and minister who has served seekers of spiritual enlightenment from all walks of life for over 40 years. She has published several books and audio programs about meditation, mindfulness, and spiritual living, offering a refreshing and authentic voice that makes timeless wisdom accessible to the modern mind. As a teacher in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, Yogacharya O'Brien serves people from all faith backgrounds who are seeking what is known as self and God realization or awakening. Yogacharya O'Brien is the spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in San Jose, California, as well as the founder and spiritual director of this podcast. You can find out more about Yogacharya O'Brien at her website, ellengraceobrien.com or at csecenter.org. You can follow her on Facebook and Instagram at Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya O'Brien. I'm really delighted to have you back on the show today. Thank you so much. It's always a joy to be in conversation with you, and I look forward to it unfolding today. Before we dive into this dialogue about gratitude, generosity, and grace, let's begin with a yoga moment. Let's begin how we mean to go on, really bringing ourselves into the present moment, letting go of anything that happened earlier today, any worries about what might happen later, and just be right here, right now. Om. So let's bring our attention to our body, just feeling our body in space. Whatever we're doing, whether we're sitting or standing, walking, driving, just feeling our body, and in particular, feeling the surfaces that support our weight. Now let's turn our attention to our breath. Just noticing as we take a fully conscious breath on the next inhale, and exhale. On the next inhale, feeling the cool air in the nostrils, and on the exhale, feeling how the temperature of the air is now warmer as it passes out through the nose. Just staying with that, staying with feeling our breath. Here's something to contemplate, a quote from Paramahansa Yogananda from his book, Spiritual Diary. Thanksgiving and praise open in your consciousness the way for spiritual growth and supply to come to you. Spirit pushes itself out into visible manifestation 
as soon as a channel is opened through which it can flow. You should be thankful for everything at all times. Realize that all power to think and speak and act comes from God and that God is with you now, guiding and inspiring you. You should be thankful for everything at all times. Realize that all power to think and speak and act comes from God and that God is with you now, guiding and inspiring you. Om. Once again, Yogacharya O'Brien, welcome back to the Yoga Hour. Looking forward to this conversation about cultivating grace, gratitude, and generosity. In your book, The Jewel of Abundance, you write that the foundational practice of non-stealing underlies the cultivation of grace, gratitude, and generosity. So for listeners who may not be aware, non-stealing is one of the restraints or yamas, the five ethical principles that form the first limb of yoga of the eight-limbed path as laid out in Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. These restraints are ethical principles that govern how we aim to behave with others. The five of them, just for completeness sake, are harmlessness, truthfulness, non-stealing, right use of vital force, and non-attachment. So let's start there. Especially for listeners who are new to Kriya Yoga and its practices, why are these restraints or yamas so important? And why do you think Patanjali put these as the first, the very first of the eight limbs of yoga? Well, since they're called restraints, one of the things that I think is useful is to, you know, ask, well, what is being restrained? Mm. And, you know, that will tell us a lot about why the teaching is there. All the yogas really are about purifying the body and the mind through some avenue, whether it's through wisdom or devotion or selfless service, purifying the body and the mind so that the innate radiance of the self can shine through. So as Paramahansa Yogananda would say, so we can live by the guidance of the soul and not by the reactive patterns in the mind. So what is being restrained um, with these ethical principles are the default actions of the egoic mind. And so we we learn to retrain um, the mind, which is the purification of the mind. Um, through these ethical principles. And, you know, another reason for them being foundational is that Patanjali's Yoga Sutra is a um, guidebook to superconscious meditation. And if you are not living an ethical life, you'll be out of harmony with yourself and with everyone else. And so you can't live contrary to the laws of nature uh, the spiritual laws and expect that you'll be able to sit and have a quiet mind because your own um, conscience will disturb you. And the mind will be active, you know, plotting its next coup in life. So um, that's, that's why it's foundational to meditation because 
um, this foundation is about uh, coming to understand this default setting that arises from what is called the false self, ahamkara, the ego mm, portion of the mind, um, which you know we learn in yoga um, through our study and our practice and our direct experience is not what we are, you know, and so we can observe that and we can learn to restrain those actions that um, fortify the sense of separate self and lead to uh, sorrow, you know, for ourselves and others. That was great. I, I love that question. What are we what are we trying to restrain? That's a great way to think about uh, those restraints. So coming back to the particular restraint of non-stealing, it, you know, the name sort of says what it is. So it seems to be a very simple practice, not taking what does not belong to you. However, I know from your teaching that there are many examples of non-stealing that are not as obvious as that. So would you give some examples of non-stealing in a broader context? Well, again, you know, these teachings are about helping us awaken to, to what we are and our, our, our essence in harmony with the oneness of all life. And so non-stealing is, again, about um, moderating that sense of separate self that is always wanting, you know, it always wants something. And uh, I like it. One of the lines in one of the poems of Kabir said, you know, I said to this wanting creature inside, you know, what is it you want? You know, inside there are no rivers to cross. You know, basically there's nothing to do. And so um, this is about learning our connection to the wholeness of life in which everything is given. And of course, this is where generosity comes in, you know, how we come to really see how life itself gives continually, generously, so that we can live. And, um, and, and so being in right relationship to that is what we're looking for with our spiritual practice. In our uh, studies of the Bhagavad Gita, which we, we do on Wednesday mornings at the center when I'm there. And these are available to people on the podcast, Kriya Yoga Today. Um, so if you're interested in these teachings as they're showing up in the Bhagavad Gita, you might enjoy that. So I wanted to share some verses from chapter three of the Gita that that relate to what is this big picture about non-stealing? You know, so we start with, you know, when we're new to the path, like don't take stuff, you know, don't, and don't promise things that you can't deliver. I mean, there's a lot of subtle elements to it as well. Um, but really it's about understanding our relationship with the infinite. Mm. And so this is, um, they're, four verses in chapter three that I want to point out to that have to do with coming to be aware of the cosmic order and that givingness of life and how we can come into right relationship with it. So I'm going to read from Roy Eugene Davis from my guru and from his commentary uh, in this chapter on these verses. And first he has an introductory um, 
segment to it that I think is really helpful to our conversation now. He says the emphasis in this verse um, is upon intentional offering of all actions for the support of evolution for the individual and collective good to assist in inviting transcendent influences into the mundane sphere and to hasten the actualization of enlightened consciousness. So that's what we're supposed to be up to. Actions performed in this way remove the devotee from unconscious involvement with mundane causes and their effects, thus liberating soul awareness, which is the goal of yoga. So here's the four um actually five verses in the Gita that uh, I want to refer to. This is starting with verse 10. Having created humankind along with sacrifice, and you can think of this as, you know, ritualistic actions, but it's also this self-giving of Mm -hmm. life itself, sacrificing itself in various ways. Having created humankind along with sacrifice, the Lord of creatures said, by this sacrificial actions, may you bring forth, may this bring unto you the fulfillment of your just desires. In other words, you know, may you learn how to be in harmonious relationship with life. And when we have an ego driven point of view and we feel that, you know, we're separate from the source, we're always trying to get something in order to experience our wholeness, but our wholeness is not reliant on getting something. So, you know, we have to get out of that, that cycle. So this is about that. By this sacrificial actions, may you nourish the gods and may the gods nourish you. The gods here refer to the forces of nature, you know, the ruling um, forces in nature. So, you know, may you be in harmonious relationship with nature. This is a grand view of ecology, isn't it? You know, may, may you, may you nourish the earth. May the earth nourish you. May you nourish the water. May the water nourish you. I mean, it's just so clear, you know, may you not try to take from the earth without giving back. Mm -hmm. So may you nourish the gods and may the gods nourish you. By nourishing each other, you shall attain to the highest good. Nourished by sacrifice, the gods, the forces of the divine forces and forces of nature will indeed give you the enjoyment you desire. One who enjoys these gifts without offering them in return is a thief. Mm-hmm. That was the verse that I wanted to get to. And as you were you know, asking about non-stealing, it really refers to being in right relationship with um, moral law. Um, with the laws of nature and with divine law and, you know, understanding what we are and how to cooperate with the infinite. And, um, you know, and if we just are in life um, taking and not aware of that cycle of giving and receiving and giving and receiving, then we are considered a thief. Mm -hmm. I I just love putting non-stealing in that larger context you know it it, as I said when you first think about you know non-stealing it seems very um, sort of self-obvious okay don't take anything that doesn't belong to you but then when you think about it in the larger context that you have set I mean it's huge (laughs) and so 
Yeah. Yeah. And like what, what actually belongs to you? I mean, that is, that is part of the, the deepest contemplation of this. And the answer is nothing, mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing belongs to you. And, you know, you know, there's the saying, you know, there's, you can't take it with you and, you know, and if it belonged to you, it would go with you. Right. Um, and, you know, so the yogis say the only thing that goes with you is your consciousness. And so that's why, you know, that's a good thing to pay attention to. Yes. Yes. And that's one of the things that I liked about the quote that I shared earlier is, um, is that part where Yogananda writes, realize that all power to think and speak and act comes from God. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, in the biggest way. So it's lovely. Exactly. And we're, you know, as a sadhana, as a spiritual practice, you know, these verses in the Gita and also what you're bringing up in the Yoga Sutra um, are, are saying, look, look at life, you know, look carefully, <laughs> look beyond your individual sphere of, you know, I want, I need, look at this generous nature of life and how this givingness is a part of the flow of life, of nature, of, of love, of creative ideas. It just flows and, you know, learn how to be in awe of that and to participate in it. Um, because that's where you find your real joy anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's always interested me about the way that this is laid out in the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali is that for each of the restraints, there's also a promise that is given. And I know so much of your book, The Jewel of Abundance, really is is about this, since the title comes from this promise. Um, Patanjali writes in the Yoga Sutras, or it's translated, um, one who is grounded in non-stealing experiences the jewel of abundance. One who is grounded in non-stealing experiences the jewel of abundance. So would you say more about this promise of the practice of non-stealing? Yeah. I mean, first I want to say, um, I probably should have put a footnote in the book. You know, I, I, all of these, you know, yamas and niyamas, the way that potentially structured, um, this handbook, guidebook on meditation, have um, an indication of what you see when a person is actually established in that consciousness. And so, you know, I called it a promise. This is the promise of, of your sadhana. You know, when you're established in this higher state of consciousness, this naturally unfolds. And so the footnote I should have put, I think, to make it clearer is that the the promise doesn't mean you do this and you get that, or you do this and you achieve that. Um, Because we have to be careful with that with yoga. So, you know, after you write a book, you think, oh, I should have said that. Um, Because it's not causative. It's simply the revelation of your own essence of being that is already whole and complete. And so when, when one is grounded in that, um, rather than being grounded in the egoic sense of separate self, then there is this experience of, um, 
abundance because we are naturally whole, complete, abundant, and we have that experience. So um, I thought I would, I'd bring in a poem at this um, juncture. It's kind of a favorite one for me of expressing from my own spiritual journey. I, you know, I got to a point where you know, I think prior to finding this path, it is like trying to live in such a way that that was generous, you know, trying to give back to people who gave to me, um, you know, doing my best. But um, there's a point at, at which, you know, I became aware that there's no way, you know, to repay the generosity of life. And, you know, particularly for me, you know, meeting my guru and being introduced to the teachings and introduced to how to live in this sacred universe, how to see it that way, how to experience it, how to know it for yourself. There was nothing that I could give um, that could even come close to that. And um, so that that was such an interesting experience, you know, of, wow, this this is such a gift. I can, there's no way I can repay it. And um, so this poem kind of came out of that. It's called Lark Singing Through the Night. I've given up the ledger remain hopelessly in debt. So, you know, I meant I get, got out of that consciousness that, you know, I do for you, you do for me, you know, that um, Paramahansa Yogananda used to call that shopkeeper's mind. Mm -hmm. And um, so waking up spiritually, we have to leave that behind. Life is just too awesome and we're given so much. So I've given up the ledger, remain hopelessly in debt. Every time I say thank you, a new gift appears at my door. <laughs> Your love has cured me of the madness that imagines I am generous. Now I know I am a spring overflowing, a lark singing through the night, and yes, the full moon shining, a brilliant borrowed light. Mm. I love that one too. Yeah. It's a wonderful way to think about living and this idea of giving back from the abundant supply that is always at hand. However, we live in this materialistic culture that um, is trying to sell us things all the time. And part of how they try and sell us things is is to make us feel that we're lacking something. So would you just comment a little bit more about that? Why is this feeling of lack so prevalent in our society? And maybe how do we get to the point where we can practice generosity if that's our mind frame, if we don't feel like we have enough for ourselves? Well, I think you you said it in 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 your introduction to the question. You know, we live in a materialistic culture, and so we need to recognize that. You know, and 
in a sense, with uh, yoga sadhana, with Kriya Yoga sadhana, you're learning how to str- how to swim against the stream of that materialistic mindset that says you need things that you don't need. And um, and the only way really to overcome that is to have the antidote of the experience of your innate wholeness, your innate fullness. And, um, and so, you know, as we start to practice and we have insights about life, you know, I talked about like really receiving the gift of the teachings from my teacher that transformed my life and realizing that this, I had been given everything Mm -hmm. and, uh, and there was nothing, there's no way I could pay for that. (laughs) It was given freely. I couldn't, I didn't have to bargain for it. It was just given. And that's, that's the nature of life. And so, you know, as we practice our meditation and our study, we begin to see through, you know, the, the demands of the wanting creature. We understand it as the egoic mind. And we can see, you know, if we're caught up in that, you know, um, we, we begin to see how things, situations, even relationships do not fully satisfy the heart because they can't, you know, anything that is, and things only give, you know, what they, of what they are, that's as far as they can go. And so things that are in the manifest realm are temporary in nature, you know, that is their nature. And so if you're looking for complete unchanging happiness or satisfaction or security from anything like that, you know, you, you begin to see that, oh, well, I did enjoy having this, you know, now um, I'm not, (laughs) now I feel like I want something else, you know? And so, (laughs) yeah, so true. (laughs) Yeah. And so then, you know, we have to, you know, I got this pair of jeans and they seemed pretty good. And now there's a new style and, you know, it, it goes on and on and on. So we just have to use our discernment, you know, to begin to unravel that um, trap, you know, that we can get caught in and counteract it with the great gift that Paramahansa Yogananda brought to America, which is dive deep into super consciousness and know your own fullness. Then you'll be, you know, less susceptible to these messages that you're not enough and you need something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, indeed. I love that. <laughs> Getting in touch with our own wholeness. I just, <laughs> as a reminder to our listeners today on the Yoga Hour, my guest is Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, a spiritual teacher in the Kriya Yoga tradition. You can find out more about her and her work at her website, ellengraceobrien.com. O'Brien is with an A O B R I A N. We will also have this link on our website at theyogahour.com. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us via that website, theyogahour.com, where you can also join our mailing list, which we encourage, be part of our community, and uh, get our monthly newsletter. 
Coming back to this idea of lack, um, one of the challenging things for many, I think, is looking around in the world and seeing people suffering um, homelessness, hunger, because apparent of apparent lack. Um, would you comment about that? I just think of, you know, Gandhiji's comment, which to me says it so succinctly, you know, he said, there is enough in our world for everyone's need, but not enough for everyone's greed. Mm. And so we have this imbalance that doesn't have to do with the source or with supply, but it has to do with that mindset of, you know, greed, some people having too much and others having not enough. Yes. Well, yes. Coming back to um, the title of the program today, Cultivate Grace, Gratitude, and Generosity, we've talked a lot about the link between non-stealing and how generosity is cultivated and can really arise spontaneously from that experience of really realizing our wholeness and our fullness. In the in your book, Jewel of Abundance, you write about grace and gratitude. You write, which comes first, gratitude or grace? They seem to arise together. Gratitude is our natural response to the gift of grace, and gratitude itself opens us to the awareness of ever-present divine support. So we've been talking about grace, um, but we haven't used that in a particular name. So would you Talk a bit more about that, um, what grace is and um, the many ways that it shows up in life. I think we experience grace as support beyond our own effort. Mm. You know, my the distinction that I see is that when we work hard for something and we feel, you know, we did it um, and we succeed and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, then, then we feel a sense of relief, you know, um, or maybe exhalation at, you know, I did this. Um, but when something comes to us that is obviously beyond our own effort, then we just feel awe or we feel gratitude because there's an awareness that we are living in this field of higher consciousness that has a supportive influence. And, um, you know, my, my guru, Roy Eugene Davis was very practical. So he always defined terms and especially terms like grace that mean really different things to different people. And so in his writings, he wanted people to understand what he meant when he used that word. So um, he has a basic English and Sanskrit word meanings and philosophical, philosophical con concepts to know. And it's really, I think it's really fun that, you know, it wasn't that he just defined Sanskrit terms, he defined English terms, because people have different understandings of them when they're coming to yoga studies. So he, he wrote grace, his definition, unearned, freely provided support, provision, or other kinds of good fortune. Impulses of grace arise from within us 
and the expressive aspect of ultimate reality. So, you know, this God in expression, in manifestation, has within it this uh, supportive influence that is bringing, you know, all things to fulfillment of purpose. And uh, so we experience that as well as grace, you know, or impulses towards uh, awakening, you know, um, and higher fulfillment that arise within us, you know. And one of the teachings that, about grace that I found really helpful, especially for newcomers on the path, because you come on the path and it seems vast, you know, and like, how am I going to do this? I mean, even starting with the yamas, like we did, like, wait a minute, you know, how am I going to all of a sudden become completely truthful about what I think, what I say, what I do, you know, how will I stop harming in my life? You know, all these things, they feel really big. And so the teaching is that it is only through divine grace, through this impulse moving in the direction of awakening and fulfillment of divine purpose that you come to the path at all. Mm -hmm. And so you can start there, you know, with this awareness that, oh, you know, it that's what got me here, you know, to, to find the teachings. And so that is always present and that is going to be supportive of this awakening journey, even though, you know, I came to the path a mess. I don't know how I'm going to straighten out my life. I don't know how I'm going to understand the philosophy about, you know, consciousness moving into manifestation and all its permutations and, you know, how to follow the restraints and observances while I'm working a job and having a bunch of kids and, you know, trying to balance my checkbook. I don't know how I'm going to do that. And the teaching says, you, you got here due to the activity of grace in your life and grace will continue to be supportive of you as you move in the direction of fulfilling your divine destiny. So that's so supportive. It's so beautiful to know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we've already sort of talked about then the relationship between grace and gratitude. I mean, grace to me, it partly being more aware of grace is being aware of our many gifts and that they keep coming all these examples some of them are so easy to see examples of grace where you just make a decision to do something and then a resource appears um, you become aware of a friend or you meet someone just kind of randomly that you know can help support you in that and it and it's just a, a gift and it feels like a gift um, and so it's easier when you're feeling that fullness then you know to to experience gratitude you also write in jewel of abundance gratitude and generosity are devoted friends they go everywhere together so would you say more about that well, yeah. I mean, you know, when we feel grumpy and put upon, <laughs> we don't want to give anything to anybody. But, you know, when we're in that place of this grateful, you know, for this life, um, this life experience, the opportunity that we have every day to serve and to engage, um, then we naturally want to give, you know, the something to contemplate, you know, to help us see this more 
profoundly more clearly is imagine what your life would be like if you were restrained from giving in any way. Mm. It would be really horrible. Yes, right. You know, I mean, sometimes, you know, we we don't take good care of ourselves. We get tired and we feel like, you know, I'm giving, giving, giving. I'm not getting enough. <laughs> of course, that's the little ego, the little, what did, what did Paramahansaji call it? You know, king ego. Um, just this little, little upserper up on, up on the throne saying, you know, I want mine, I want mine. And um, yet, you know, if we can be, you know, abiding in our own wholeness and seeing the giftedness of life and seeing literally, absolutely, truly, it is a privilege. It's a privilege to be able to give. And so, we have to look at that. We have to examine that because sometimes people are into generosity um, because of their giving or their serving because they want something back. Right. And the scriptures are really clear that, you know, it's not bad to do good works um, and want something back. It's just not yoga. It's just not karma yoga because it's the attachment to the sense of the self, you know, which is the small self as the doer and the attachment to some kind of reward coming back to you that um, is problematic. So, um, you know, we learn about it being a privilege to give and that giving is an opportunity for us to grow. I mean, that's what we're here for. We're here to awaken. And so if we can serve, um, that's how we grow. That's how we awaken. It's a gift. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if we do it because we we want to be more spiritual or we want to get something back or whatever, then it can be painful and we can burn out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to come back to the title of the program for today, because it talks about grace, gratitude, and generosity as essential for fulfilled living. So would you say more about that? Why is the cultivation of grace, gratitude, and generosity essential for fulfilled living? Well, I think about, you know, when Paramahansa Yogananda came to America and his first talk that he gave on the ship coming over that was titled the, the science of religion. And in that talk, you know, it was just masterful, just masterful. He, he helps and, and it is published, you know, you can buy it, that talk today, in a little book, the science of religion. Um, he talked about what is it that we're really looking for? What do we want? What does everybody want? Yeah. And, you know, basic to the teaching and, you know, basic to seeing the way things are is that, well, we all want to be happy. <laughs> it's just basic. We want to be happy. We don't want to suffer. We want to be happy. And then, you know, he took that thesis and kind of 
like peeling an onion, you know, just so masterfully that we want to be happy, but we don't want to be happy just for a little while. We don't want something that brings us happiness and then brings us sadness. We don't want conditional happiness. We want unconditional happiness. So then he kept peeling it and peeling it and saying, you know, everybody's always looking for something else, you know, to bring them that happiness. And that gets back to, you know, what do we do about this materialistic point of view? Like you need one more thing and then you'll be happy. You need a new mattress for goodness sake, and then you'll be happy. You know, (laughs) this is stuff. And so he said, the something else that people are looking for is God. Mm-hmm. And um, he capitalized something else. And because that finding that reality of your essential self, which is God or whatever you want to call it, absolute reality, is the source of unchanging happiness, you know, bliss. So what we're looking for is that. And so understanding what we're looking for and how that relates to grace and gratitude and generosity to me is where it, where it lives. Mm -hmm. Which brings us to oneness. You exactly. Teach, <laughs> you teach the truth of our being is oneness. We are connected to the source of life and to all that is. We cannot thrive in isolation. Once we see that, we find ways to experience that oneness through sharing, loving, and caring for all as our self with a capital S. That's from Jewel of Abundance. And as we talk about hopefully often on this show, the central teaching of yoga is that oneness. Um, How does our experience of oneness change? How we act, how does it relate to this gratitude and generosity that we've been discussing to gratitude and generosity in our daily lives? I think it softens our heart, Mm. softens our heart, you know, when we get out of the boundary so much of there's me and there's you, and we begin to see and feel, you know, the commonality of this life that we share, and we you know, it's harder to see other people, other beings, you know, as quote unquote other. Mm. It's just life expressing. And so, you know, I think it softens the heart. It, it, if we have some regular doses of this um, through experiences of awe, through openings to the nature of reality, the oneness of all creation, um, you know, it humbles us and we feel more connected to others, to all of life. We feel more, I think, more generous, more forgiving. Um, 
You know, I remember one student <laughs> one time when we were studying these practices and we were talking about um, how they can help change your reactive nature, you know, purify the mind and help you not be so reactive. And he he said that what he had developed through practicing was, you know, he used to be very short-tempered, you know, and the typical example of that he gave us, you know, when you're driving and somebody cuts you off and, you know, he said he used to just, you know, have really horrible thoughts about wishing harm, you know, for that person. And, um, and then he said, as he started to think deeply about the teachings, he said, now when somebody does something like that, he, he says to himself, I could have done that. Mm. And I've done that. Mm. And um, I thought, oh, that's really lovely. <laughs> really, really lovely. So, you know, I, I think in some of the best ways, it softens our heart. It mm. cools down the reactive nature, brings some humility. Mm. It opens us to the way that life is speaking to us all the time, you know, of love, of forgiveness, of generosity. It's all there. You know, as Jesus said, even the stones shout it out if you listen deeply enough. Mm. Talking about <clears throat> getting upset with people in traffic, so... <clears throat> excuse me, my husband and I have a little joke because this is something that he used to do a lot. He doesn't do so much anymore, but he'd get really upset. And for me, it was always the story that he was telling himself about the person, mm -hmm. about, you know, whatever. And so I tried to tell him he didn't really know what the story was. And so, for example, this person who just cut in front of us very abruptly, you know, maybe their grandmother was in the emergency room. You know, I mean, it's possible, right? You know, we can tell that story instead because mm -hmm. we don't really know why they're in a hurry. You know, it could, exactly. could be something like that. So anyway, now it's our kind of like shorthand of, you know, when you're upset about anything, you know, maybe it's the grandmother. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you, you can make up some new stories for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so we, we talked about how this experience of oneness can help us be aware of grace. Maybe that experience of grace um, is what leads us to feel that sense of oneness. We talked about the outpouring then of gratitude and generosity that come from that. And I wondered if there's a reverse flow. You know, so for example, we were not particularly in touch with our oneness. Um, and perhaps, being aware of grace, like increasing our awareness of grace, increasing our gratitude and generosity may actually open a doorway to feeling more of that oneness. Did you want to comment about that? It absolutely will, unless it's done um, to try to create that. <laughs> so if you have an attachment, you know, and you're, you're trying to make that happen, it, that would be a block. But um, this Sunday coming up at the satsang, I'm going to be speaking about the experience of awe mm. um, and how how that comes about. And there's some delightful new science 
out about what the spiritual mystics have known, um, which is that those experiences of awe, which we, which is a common response to grace, mm. you know, to something because it's an experience of something beyond us that we can't explain. And so, um, you know, the new science that's investigating it, it is discovering certain things that happen in the brain, the way that we're wired. And, you know, so it, it, it gets us out of that um, network in the brain that's connected to the sense of separate self mm. makes us beyond that. So they're starting to map that. Mm. And um, so to answer your question, yes, you know, that, that can then take us into um you know experiences of grace then can open us to you know gratitude and generosity and there's now some physiological pointers to it as well you probably like that as a doctor yes absolutely <laughs> i was thinking about that that science of good health that has to do with things with things like this of you know of, of for example connection with others is a positive um it is a prevention of, you know, health problems, feeling mm -hmm. that, you know, connection uh, to others is a very, that social connection is a really important part of our health that isn't often recognized, I think, and often is minim minimized. Yeah. Well, here we are at the end of our time together. And as you know, we always like to give you a chance to share some words of encouragement or inspiration with our listeners. So what would you like, what would you like to leave with? Well, it's been a lovely conversation and thank you for making it possible. And, you know, my gratitude to the Yoga Hour team and to all the subscribers that, you know, for over a decade have been keeping this um, program on the air. So I have gratitude there that I want to express uh, for this opportunity. And I think that there's also a nice connection that we can have with prayer and grace and gratitude and generosity. And um, I find it really important to take just a little bit of time before I even get out of bed mm -hmm. uh, in the morning to offer a prayer, you know, may I serve today, you know, may I approach life with an open heart and an open mind, grateful for this life. So, you know, I, I often will start with that reflection, you know, just, wow, here I am, grateful, <laughs> grateful to be alive. And may this life um, be of service and may I be an instrument um, for love. Mm -hmm. So it's a good way to start the day. It's a good way to end the day. Mm -hmm. I love that actually, that saying, may I be an instrument of love. It's beautiful. <clears throat> For listeners, you've been listening to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and host of the show. My guest today has been Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Yogacharya O'Brien is an acclaimed teacher, award-winning author, and minister who has served seekers of spiritual enlightenment for all from all walks of life for over 40 years. You can find out more about her and her work at her website, ellengraceobrien.com, and also the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment website, csecenter.org. 
Thank you so much, Yogacharya O'Brien, for being a return guest on the show today. My pleasure. And, and just a, a reminder, those of you who are enjoying yoga podcasts, you will also like Kriya Yoga Today, which you can find in the same place you found this one. And yes. uh, some teachings on the Bhagavad Gita and probably the talk that's coming up on all will be posted on there at some point. So you took you. the words out of my mouth. I was going to mention that in just a minute. <laughs> that's good, though. So um, for listeners, uh, we want to make you aware and hope you'll join us for many online programs offered by the sponsor of this program, the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment. There's daily online meditation in the morning from 6.30 to 7.30 Pacific time. Uh, in the afternoon at 4 p.m. and Monday evenings at 7.30 p.m. Again, all those times are Pacific time. There's also a Sunday satsang. Satsang is a Sanskrit word meaning a gathering of truth seekers. That happens at 10 a.m. Pacific each week. And as Yogacharya mentioned, she's the one who's going to be giving the message at Satsang this Saturday. So we hope you'll join us for that and hear more about Sunday. I'm sorry, Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, and we hope you'll um, jo or learn more about awe and have that opportunity to um, to hear her message. Um, as she mentioned, Kriya Yoga Today podcast is a lovely resource as well. There are many more classes and events at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment. You can find out more about them by going to the website csecenter.org. Join me next time on the Yoga Hour when my guest will be Sarah Anderson. We're going to be discussing uh, the lost art of silence and how we connect to the power and beauty of quiet. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, Meditation Center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. CSE welcomes people from all backgrounds who are seeking self and God realization, Kriya Yoga's path to awakened living in today's world. Remember to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. And if you're enjoying it, share it with a friend. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, Yogacharya O'Brien, also assistant producers, Anne Hayes, Mickey Coronado, and Lauren Leidinger. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Bye. Thanks, Dr. Trujillo. Bye.